0: Chapter twelve of the Rolstons by Francis Marion Crawford. This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter twelve As Alexander Junior came towards him, John Rolston advanced from the door. Catherine placed herself between them, very much as her mother had come between her father and herself on the previous afternoon. But Rolston laid his hand gently on her arm and drew her back. Please go into the library, Catherine, he said. No, no, she cried in answer. I can't leave you together, so... Please go, he repeated. I'm angry. I must speak. I can't before you. He pushed her with tender anxiety towards the door, and she felt his hand tremble on her arm. She yielded after a little hesitation, but paused as she reached the curtain and looked back. John went on and faced Alexander, supposing that Catherine had left the room. "'So it was you who spoke to Mr. Beeman about me,' said Ralston, in a tone of menace. "'You're an eavesdropper, sir,' answered Alexander, Jr., with contempt. "'As you were shouting and the door was open, I couldn't help hearing what you said, Mr. Lauderdale. I was anxious about Catherine, and had come into the hall.' "'Then you've heard my opinion of you.' You're not likely to change it by trying to browbeat me I'm not browbeating you as you call it. You've been saying things about me which are untrue You've got to take them back Alexander Lauderdale drew himself up to his height resting one clenched hand upon his hip The other held his hat He looked a dangerous adversary as he stood there lean and steely his firm face set like an angry mask his broad shoulders square and black against the evening light it occurs to me to ask how you propose to make me take back anything i have said he answered ralston looked at him quietly for several seconds as a man looks who measures another's strength not that he had the slightest thought of violence even then but he was a born fighter as much as alexander if not more so his instinct was always to strike rather than speak in any quarrel. In a hand-to-hand encounter he would have been overmatched by the elder man, and he knew it. But that was not the reason why he lowered his voice and tried to speak more calmly, instead of growing hotter in altercation. "'You've done me a very great injustice, and you've almost done me a serious injury. Perhaps you really have, for Mr. Beeman has turned me out,' he said. "'It's customary, I think, for people like us "'to repair such injuries as well as they can.' "'You've injured yourself by your habits,' answered Alexander. "'I've a perfect right to say so. Don't contest it.' "'It's contestable at all events. "'I'm willing to admit that I've been what's called dissipated "'more than most men, I dare say. "'It's undeniable, and that's precisely what I said, or words to the same effect.' "'I think not.' You were telling Catherine just now that I was a drunkard and a reprobate. I've not touched wine for months, and as for being a reprobate, it's a strong word, but rather vague, since you've used it. Please define what you mean by it. It's a general term of disapprobation which I applied to you because I think you're a bad character. Accusations of that sort have to be supported. You must go with me to Mr. Beeman tomorrow and repeat what you've said." indeed I shall do nothing of the kind if mr. Beeman asks you to do it you'll have to at the risk of losing your character for truthfulness are you calling me a liar asked Alexander and his voice rose angrily as he stepped forward no answered Ralston calmly but in a doubtful tone I'm not but you've made an accusation and if you fail to prove it mr beman will form his opinion about you i formed mine long ago i'm turning out to be right i'm quite indifferent to your opinion said alexander contemptuously and you're not in a position to influence that of lifelong friends like mr beman we'd better end this discussion at once it can lead to nothing katharine who still stood by the door her hand on the curtain devoutly wished that in this at least john would follow her father's suggestion she had a woman's instinctive fear of violence between men a fear strange to say which has a fascination in it If John had been inwardly as calm as he outwardly appeared to be he would undoubtedly have seen that Alexander was right in this But the insulting words which he had inevitably overheard rankled as well They might and against all probability of success He still hoped that Alexander would make some acknowledgement of having been in the wrong he thrust his hands into his pockets, and made two or three steps, his head bent in thought. Then he turned upon his adversary suddenly again. "'Do you know—or don't you—that I've given up wine since last winter?' he inquired. "'I've heard it stated,' said Alexander. "'I don't know it.' "'Well, it's true. I tell you so now. I suppose you'll make no further difficulty about taking back what you said to Catherine just now, that I'm a drunkard.' if you have given up wine you are certainly not a drunkard at present that's axiomatic alexander sneered will you remove the condition i say that i have given up wine i should hesitate to accept your unsupported evidence in other words you don't admit that i am speaking the truth is that what you mean to say yes or no i don't accept your unsupported evidence repeated alexander pleased with his own phrase do you know what you're saying it's simply stating that i'm not to be believed you can't put any other meaning upon your words i don't wish to answered alexander driven to stand by what he had said but conscious that he had gone too far a pause followed john was very pale alexander lauderdale's face was dark with the blood that rose slowly under the gray olive skin the hand that held his hat swung quickly by his side once or twice. Ralston's fingers twitched nervously. By the door Catherine held her breath. "'Look here, Mr. Lauderdale,' said John, in a low voice. "'I'm not going to strike you here, but when I meet you in the street, I will.' "'Jack! Jack!' cried Catherine, rushing forward and catching his arm, and throwing the other of her own round his neck she knew how much stronger her father was than he at the sight of her the deep red color appeared at last in alexander's face and his anger got the better of him altogether take your arms from that man's neck he cried furiously don't touch him i say but Catherine did not release her hold a woman's idea of protecting a man is to wind herself round him so as to make him perfectly helpless to defend himself let me go, dear, said Rolston, in a voice suddenly tender, but trembling a little. Catherine, go, I say. The white of Alexander's eyes was bloodshot, but Catherine tried to drag John back from him as he advanced. Go, leave the room, cried Alexander roughly. With a quick movement he seized her arm, almost where he had grasped it on the previous day, and he tried to pull her away from Rolston. His strong hand hurt her, at the same time, Ralston, not seeing how tightly Alexander held her, tried to disengage himself from her as gently as he could. The struggle was not apparently violent, yet Catherine was exerting all her strength to cling to Ralston. The floor, under the Persian rug, was highly polished. As Catherine stood, overbalanced in her strained position, the carpet slipped under her feet— with a short, half-suppressed cry, more of surprise than of fear, she relaxed her hands, fell sideways, and swung downward, her arm still in her father's iron grip. To tell the truth, he was trying to hold her up, though in reality he had thrown her down. Suddenly she uttered a piercing scream, and turned livid, as she fell upon the floor and her father let go her arm at the same instant john ralston struck alexander lauderdale a violent blow on the mouth which sent the taller man staggering back two paces it all happened in an instant alexander sprang forward again instinctively and struck at john who dodged the blow and, and closed with him they were better matched at wrestling than with fists for ralston though less strong by far was the quicker and had the advantage of youth they swayed and twisted upon each other the two lean tough men like Tigers Catherine struggled to her feet in getting up She tried to use her right hand and uttered another cry of pain as her weight rested on it a moment in making the effort It was quite powerless In a few seconds the room was full of people Catherine's scream had echoed through the open door all over the house the butler the footman and the housemaids flocked in the cry was heard even in robert lauderdale's bedroom and he was not asleep the old man started listened and raised himself on his elbow at the same time touching the bell by which he called his nurse she had gone out upon the landing to try and find out what was the matter but ran back at the sound of the bell what is it what's happened asked old lauderdale and there was an unwanted colour in his face i don't know mr lauderdale answered the nurse a calm ugly middle-aged woman from new england it was a woman's voice shall i go and ask no no he cried huskily it was my niece help me up mrs deems help me up i'll go as i am he was clad in loose garments of white velvet the only luxurious fancy of his old age he got up on his feet steadying himself by the nurse's arm let me ring for the men mr lauderdale she said rather anxiously no no i can go so if you'll help me a little oh god the child must be hurt quick mrs deems i can walk quicker than this hold your arm a little higher please yes we shall get along nicely so why didn't i have a lift in the house i was always so strong quickly mrs deems quickly when robert lauderdale entered the drawing-room he saw a crowd of people gathering together round something which they hid from him go away go away he cried in his hollow broken voice the servants fell back at the voice of the master only the butler remaining at hand catherine was lying back in a deep armchair her broken arm resting upon a little table which had been hastily pushed to her side John Ralston was bending over it, and looking at it rather helplessly, as pale as death. Opposite him, on Catherine's left, stood her father, his face still darkly flushed, his lips swollen and purple from Ralston's blow. "'Clear the room, and send for Dr. Routh,' said old Lauderdale, turning his head a little towards Leek as he passed him. "'I'm afraid it's broken,' Ralston was saying, and his hands trembled violently as he softly passed them over Catherine's arm. Mrs. Deems was already undoing the buttons of the tight sleeve, which chanced to be the fashion at that time. Robert Lauderdale pushed Alexander aside and bent down over the chair, supporting himself with his hands. "'Catherine, little girl, you're hurt, dear,' he said as gently as his hoarseness would let him speak. "'How did it happen?' it won't be anything she said in answer shaking her head and trying to smile how did it happen repeated the old man standing up again and steadying himself as he looked anxiously at ralston but ralston did not answer at once across the old gentleman's shoulder his eyes met alexander's for an instant are you going to tell what you did or shall i he asked fiercely what what asked old robert in surprise what's this he looked from one to the other well alexander began it's rather hard to explain you're mistaken interrupted ralston promptly it's perfectly simple you threw katherine down and she broke her arm you threw katherine down repeated the old man the first words spoken in wonder the last in wrath not at all uncle robert protested alexander do you suppose for a moment that i'm such a man as to i don't care what sort of a man you are retorted robert lauderdale if you've laid hands on Catherine, you shall leave the house for the last time tell me what happened jack Catherine. both of you we quarrelled and didn't see Catherine," said john his brown eyes on fire she thought we'd fight and ran forward and held me round the neck to keep us apart. Her father dragged her away violently, and she fell. Then I hit him. I didn't drag her violently. Catherine, isn't that what happened? asked Ralston. Old Lauderdale bent down towards her again, but there was no need of looking into her eyes to find the truth there. Her only thought was for Ralston, and he was speaking the truth. She loved him, as few women love. She had loved him through good and evil report with all her soul and she was ruthless of others as loving women are For his sake she would have sent her father to the gallows if he had done murder And if the one word which might have saved him could have done Ralston the least hurt It's exactly as Jack said she answered in clear tones. He pulled me from Jack and threw me down Then the old man's wrath broke out like flame but there was a little pause first the blood rushed to his pale cheeks his bony hands were clenched and the old veins swelled to bursting in his throat and at his temples the broken harsh voice thundered and crashed as he cursed his nephew god damn you sir leave my house this instant alexander lauderdale jr. had got his deserts and more also and he knew it but he stood still where he was it's useless to argue with a man in your state he began are you going you damned coward roared old robert ring the bell jack send for the men turn that brute out he was beside himself with rage but john glanced at alexander and then walked slowly toward the nearest bell he was not inclined to spare the man who had injured Catherine. Perhaps most men in his position would have carried out the orders of the master of the house Seeing that he was in the act to press the button Alexander yielded it was not at all probable that the millionaires half dozen Englishmen would disobey their master and Robert was capable at the present moment of having them literally kicked into the middle of the street He had the temper that ran through all the blood of the Lauderdale tribe and it was up the fierce lowland scotch temper that is hard to rouse and long controllable but dangerous at the last he had disliked and despised his nephew for years but had not sought occasion against him the occasion had come suddenly and by violence and the wild beast in him was let loose Catherine's eyes followed her father's tall figure as he stalked out of the room with an odd expression she was avenged for much in that moment "'Brute!' growled Robert Lauderdale, as he disappeared behind the curtain. "'Infernal scoundrel!' answered Ralston, through his closed teeth. "'I'm so sorry I screamed, Uncle Robert,' said Catherine. "'I waked you.' Mrs. Deems interrupted her. She had ripped the seam of the tight sleeve, for she knew that it could not be drawn over the broken arm. "'On the white flesh there were two sets of marks—' The one red and evidently produced in the late struggle the others were black and blue they were side by side the one set a little higher than the second The arm was already much swollen Mrs. Deems had listened in silence to what had been said and her womanly heart had risen in sympathy for katharine She touched Robert Lauderdale's sleeve and pointed to the old mark on katharine's arm calling his attention to them those weren't made now mr lauderdale she said in a low matter-of-fact tone no it was last night said catherine rather faintly jack dear get me a cup of tea i don't feel well ralston hurried away saying something to himself which was not audible to the others but which may as well be omitted here the black and white of paper and ink make youth's blood seem too red Old Lauderdale's anger was still at the boiling point and broke out again Do you mean to say that he's been maltreating you child he asked his face reddening again if he has No, not exactly uncle dear I'll tell you but I'm a little faint don't worry She sighed and closed her eyes as she finished speaking She was in great pain now that the arm was swelling "'Best not to talk, Mr. Lauderdale,' said Mrs. Deems. "'I'll get some ice and napkins.' And she also left the room. The old man, alone with Catherine, bent over her with difficulty and kissed her white forehead. His old head trembled as he raised himself again and looked shyly round, as though he had done something to be ashamed of. The young girl opened her eyes, smiled a little, and closed them again at once. "'Do you feel very ill, little girl?' asked Robert Lauderdale. There was something pathetic in the evident attempt to make his unnatural hollow voice sound gentle and kind, and he stroked her thick black hair with one bony hand while the other rested on the back of the chair. "'Oh, no, it's nothing, only the pain in my arm. Don't be frightened, Uncle Robert. I'm not going to die.' And she tried to laugh to reassure him then a sharp twinge from the broken limb drew her face the expression of her suffering was instantly reflected in the old man's features and his bushy white eyebrows bent themselves "Routh will be here in a minute he said as though reassuring her i've sent for him she nodded her thanks but said nothing then with her left hand she found one of his and pressed it affectionately he lifted hers and pressed his bearded lips to it softly it will be the worse for him he said consoling her as many men console women with the promise of vengeance In his mouth the words might mean much There are few things which a just man justly angry cannot accomplish against an offender with the aid of 80 millions of working capital so to say Moreover Robert Lauderdale was not dead yet and could so change his will if he pleased "'as to keep Alexander from ever receiving any share whatsoever of the great fortune. "'But Catherine was avenged already, and wished no further evil to her father. "'She had seen him humiliated and driven from the house, "'and she had felt that he was not her father, "'but the man who had insulted and cruelly wronged John Ralston, her lawful husband. "'She had not seen the blow Ralston had struck, "'for at that moment she had just fallen to the floor.' but all the rest had happened before her eyes and she had neither spoken word nor made sign to spare him so far she had been utterly merciless afterwards she wondered how she could have been so utterly hard and unforgiving and tried to remember what she had felt but she found it impossible it is hard to recall an old scold when one is floating in cool water not that she ever forgave her father for what he did and said during those twenty-four hours that is in the sense of forgiving entirely and thinking of him as though nothing had happened that would have been impossible perhaps it would have been scarcely human the virtue that turns the other cheek to be smitten is in danger of having its head broken by the second buffet for cowardice takes arms of charity but they did not quarrel to the end of their natural lives and it seemed strange to Catherine at a later period that she should have looked on with a calm satisfaction that, that soothed her bodily pain, while Robert Lauderdale ordered her father to be forcibly turned out of the house. But that is not strange, for humanity's hardest present problem is almost always the problem of yesterday, which is in black and white, rather than the expectation of to-morrow, confusedly shadowed upon the mist of what is not yet, by the light of the hope of what may be. There was a sort of justice, too, in the fact that Robert Lauderdale who had once quarrelled with john during the winter should now be taking his side and be forced to take it by every conviction of fairness the only thing which Catherine could not understand was her father's own behaviour towards his uncle it was in accordance with his temper that he should behave to her as he had behaved and to john ralston also but it would have seemed more natural that he should have controlled himself even by a great effort rather than have risked offending the possessor of the fortune on that afternoon he had seemed from the first to be braving the old man's anger this was a mystery to Katharine. it seemed almost like a premeditation yet she knew her father's limitations and was sure that he was not able to form a deep scheme and carrying it out while mystifying every one who looked on he was dull he was methodical he was exact he was also miserly as she had lately discovered but he was a man to keep a secret rather than to produce one which should need keeping and she almost suspected that he had lost his senses out of sheer anger though she knew that he was able to control his temper longer than most men when he pleased so far as the present was concerned she felt as she might well feel that she was amply avenged and when Robert Lauderdale seemed to be threatening further vengeance, she protested. "'Don't make it any worse, Uncle Robert,' she said, with an effort, for she was growing very faint. "'But you must keep me here till I'm well, if you will. I can't go home to him now.' "'Of course, child, of course. Should you like your mother to come and take care of you?' "'Oh, no, thank you. Let me be with you. We'll be invalids together, you know.' she smiled again opening and closing her eyes don't forget yourself now she continued you've had too much exertion too much excitement sit down and rest here they come with the tea and things john and mrs deans entered in close succession john had insisted upon bringing the tea-tray himself after overcoming leek's objection with the greatest difficulty but leek appeared nevertheless playing footman to ralston as butler so to say and bearing a folding stand which he set down beside catherine mrs deems had a bowl of ice and a pile of napkins with which she intended to cool catherine's arm until dr routh arrived beg pardon sir said leek to the old gentleman the old brougham was just in with the bays from exercise william said sir so i sent him as he was for dr routh sir i hope i did right sir quite right leek very sensible of you answered the old gentleman just help me to a chair will you I'm a little stiff from standing so long and get us some light it's growing dark Leek and Ralston installed him in a comfortable chair on the other side of the tea-table Mrs. Deems was packing Catherine's arm in ice the young girl's face twitched nervously at first But grew calmer as the cold began to overcome the inflammation Old Lauderdale watched the operation with interest and sympathy "'No one but Mrs. Deems knew what Catherine must have suffered "'before she began to feel the effects of the ice. "'Ralston stood by in silence, looking at Catherine's face "'and ready to help if he were needed, which was far from probable. "'He was still pale, and the passion so furiously roused "'was still at work within him. "'He could not help dreaming of his next meeting with Alexander, Jr., "'wondering when it would take place and what would happen.' But he had the deep and incomparable satisfaction of an angry man who has dealt his enemy one successful blow There had been nothing wrong about that blow it had gone straight from the shoulder. It had not been parried And it had crushed the mouth he hated and even afterwards in the struggle that had followed Alexander had not thrown him in spite of size and weight in his favor These had been matched by youth and quickness the moment the two men had seen that Catherine was hurt, they had loosed their hold on one another and gone to her, just as the servants had rushed into the room. But John was not satisfied as Catherine was. He had tasted blood, and he thirsted for more, to have his fight out and win or be beaten without interference. He meant to win, and he knew he could make even defeat dangerous, for he was quick of his hands and feet and tough. Of the three, old Robert was the first to regain his equanimity. Of all the Lauderdale tempers, his was the least hard to rouse and the soonest to expend itself, and therefore the least dangerous. It was commonly said among them that Catherine Ralston, John's mother, who had hardly ever been seen angry, had the most deadly temper in the family, though it was not easy to tell on what the tradition rested. John and Alexander had certainly not the best and it was safe to predict that when they met again there would be war. The old gentleman had made very unwanted exertions that afternoon, and before she had finished doing what she could for Catherine's arm, Mrs. Deems became anxious about him. His cheeks grew hollow, and as the blood sank away from them, his face became almost ghastly. Ralston looked at him attentively, and then glanced at the nurse. She nodded and got a stimulant and gave it to him and felt his pulse and shook her head almost imperceptibly. "'How long is it since the doctor was sent for?' she asked of Ralston in a low voice. "'It must be twenty minutes, I should think.' "'Oh, longer than that, I'm sure,' exclaimed Catherine, who suffering length of time. "'He'll be here presently, then,' said Mrs. Deems, somewhat reassured. "'How do you feel, Mr. Lauderdale? A little weak?' all right growled the broken voice take care of katherine but he did not open his eyes and spoke rather as though he were dreaming than as if he were awake provided he's at home said ralston half aloud and thinking of the doctor hadn't we better send for someone else too he addressed the question to everybody in a general way best wait till the carriage comes back suggested mrs deems this seemed sensible and a silence followed which lasted some time ralston stood motionless beside the nurse Catherine had swallowed some tea and lay quietly in her chair while the skilful woman did her best with the ice and napkins the old man's jaw had dropped a little and he was breathing heavily as though asleep mrs deems did not like the sound for she glanced at him more and more uneasily there miss Catherine, she said at last that's the best we can do till the doctor comes I think it's only the small bone that's broken, but I don't like to handle it I guess it's better to leave it so till he comes best not try to move yourself Then she went round the table to old Lauderdale again listened attentively to his breathing and felt his pulse Are you asleep mr. Lauderdale she asked almost in a whisper the jaw moved and he spoke some unintelligible words? I can't hear what you say said mrs. Deems bending down anxiously he cleared his throat coughed a little and spoke louder take care of Catherine he said still without opening his eyes don't worry about me uncle Robert said Catherine looking at him with anxiety both she and Ralston turned inquiring glances to mrs. Deems she merely shook her head sadly and said nothing Ralston beckoned to her to come and speak with him. She poured out another dose of the old man's stimulant and set it to his lips. He swallowed it rather eagerly and without difficulty. Then she glanced at Rolston and left the room. A moment later he followed her and found her waiting for him on the other side of the curtain. "'You are very anxious, aren't you, Mrs. Deems?' he inquired in a whisper. "'Well,' she answered, "'I suppose I am.' I guess he's had a strain with this trouble I do wish the doctor would come though it's a long while since they went for him don't you think he's in danger now that he might go off at any moment asked Ralston well they do with heart failure that's the danger but it's a strong family mr. Ralston and he's been a strong man old mr. Lauderdale though he's as weak as a babe now you just can't tell in these cases and that's the fact "'There was a sound of wheels. "'A moment later Leek appeared. "'Dr. Routh can't be found, sir,' he said. "'They've been to his house and to two or three other places, "'but he can't be found, sir. "'So I've sent for Dr. Cheever. "'He's always on call, as they say in this country, sir.' "'Quite right, Leek,' answered Ralston. "'He looked round for Mrs. Deems, "'but she had gone back into the drawing-room. "'She was evidently very anxious.' End of chapter 12